Shravya, I am so excited to see Fed play. Same, it has been a minute. Let's check the score. Uh, oh. Wow, um, that excitement lasted a solid day. It's fine. This is all for the grass season. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Hold On To Your Racket, the podcast for Gen Z tennis fans. We're your hosts, Josefina and Shravya. Shravya and I are so excited to be creating this podcast and sharing our love for tennis with you all. Josefina and I are two high school gals and tennis fanatics united together by our on-the-court and off-the-court companionship. And we're the female Gen Z voices in modern-day tennis you've been looking for, so we hope you enjoy this episode and stay tuned for more. So, hello, today is May 19th, and we're back with another episode of Hold On To Your Racket. Today's episode is episode 59. Super exciting, episode 59. I have a fun story, actually. So today I was in school, right? I had a free period. I was working on finishing up some episode research, right? Because Josephine and I had planned to make sure that, you know, we did our little sections on each tournament before we recorded tonight. And I was doing my research, and a couple of my friends came up to me, and they saw what I was working on. They were like, you guys are on episode 59 already? And I was like, yeah. And they were like, oh, my gosh, that's so cool. This is so cool that you guys are doing this. And then they somehow, like, I think they came, they started asking about, like, oh, do you guys, like, um... Uh, make money off of this and stuff and I was like yeah we actually you know started doing ads um to see how that was working on they were like oh my gosh that's so cool you guys have done such a great job on the podcast and these are people who like don't follow tennis whatsoever and they're also like people at my school so they don't know Josefina either but I don't know I guess I just wanted to share because it's been so nice that we've um gotten that sort of support both from people we know but also people on social media i mean we've been seeing a lot of support coming through there which has been really awesome to see yeah definitely i feel i keep telling shravia i think we're semi-famous we just don't know it yet (laughs) we're gonna have this one like huge realization moment like oh my goodness people know what hotter is exactly i don't know we have a we have a ton of ideas for you know once we kind of get more famous about potentially some hotter merch, some really cool oh hotter merch, once we sort of have the abilities to do that, we will we will see. I mean, we a, have the logo. That was a huge step. We do have a logo. That was a huge step up. If any of you have been, like, listeners or followers of us for, like, a couple months, you probably remember our old logo. We were not big fans of we that old logo. That it. was like we like just made that logo Rushed like the day after we came up with the podcast idea in like mid August because we were so excited. But then we spent literally our entire spring break in March, every single day zooming, brainstorming, designing, picking fonts, picking colors, picking ideas for our new logo. Which I know Josephina works so hard at because she's the more artsy one of the two of us. But it was ultimately a joint effort in terms of picking the colors and the fonts which was super exciting um but yeah i don't know fun things to come is basically what we mean to say yeah so back into the episode some of our headlines include of course as you might have suspected roger federer's return but along with that he made some comments on zverev's allegations so Obviously, we are celebrating his return to the tour since Doha, but he made some pretty disappointing remarks about this vera of allegations when it was brought up, the issue was brought up to him. Yeah, so this was during his 
pre-tournament press conference in Geneva, I would um, check out Ben Rothenberg's Twitter for a full transcription of Roger's answer, but we're going to give you a kind of a rundown of the main aspects of it. So basically, in the press conference, Ben Rothenberg, who is a tennis journalist, he was the one who um, interviewed Olya Sharapova, who is Zverev's ex-girlfriend, who um, has come out with some very serious domestic abuse allegations against Zverev. So he was the one who interviewed her and wrote up that story. So Ben Rothenberg asked Federer in his press conference whether the domestic abuse allegations from Olya were what led Team 8 to split with Zverev. Team 8 is the management agency that Federer co-founded um, with Tony Godzik. And if you remember, we talked about this a few months ago when Team 8 announced that decision to split with Zverev. So Roger's response was to this question, quote, look, Sasha is a great guy. I'm really happy for him when he does well, but I don't get involved in those types of decisions, to be honest. Um, and then he also seemed to be saying that the decision to split was mutual. And then he was asked whether he thinks the ATP should have a domestic abuse policy like other sports do. And his answer, like we're saying, if you want to see the whole thing, go back to Ben Rothenberg's Twitter, made it very obvious that he hadn't really ever thought about this story or had given much thought to it before this. He said it's a matter of, quote, private life. And his exact words were, I don't know that I want to talk about it. To be honest, I don't want to bring this subject up. I feel like I want Sasha to focus on his tennis and who I am now, months later, to comment on it. Who am I now, months later, to comment on it. Yeah. So, basically, what's disappointing here is that Roger had the perfect opportunity here to just, like, say yes to a domestic abuse policy. I feel like that's a pretty basic thing to say yes to. It's pretty shameful that the ATP doesn't have that already. And this was also the perfect opportunity to, like, for him to just, you know, condemn abuse in general. Even if he didn't want to say Zverev did it, he could have just said something like, I'm against all domestic abuse or whatever. So I that was what was really lackluster in his response. And it was especially disappointing because Roger is one of the biggest figures, if not the biggest figures in the sport, right? On so, the ATP side, if anything. Yeah, sure. especially on the ATP side. People know him worldwide, even if they don't follow tennis. Um, so that's why it was really disappointing. But, I mean... We were talking about this. Josephine and I were talking about this. People on social media were talking about this. Like, yeah, this is really disappointing. But ultimately and sadly, the harsh reality is that this isn't surprising, right? Like, this is just another example of, you know, another powerful man who kind of has that privilege to just ignore um, Olya Sharapova's experiences and her story and, you know, just move on, right? And the chances are that most other players would say the same thing. Like, we've seen that. They would probably say the same thing, if not worse, right? So that's why Roger's response is really disappointing here because, again, even if he didn't want to, you know, single out Zverev or, like, you know, say something directly bad about him, he had the perfect opportunity to use his platform to advocate for something that is pretty baseline, wouldn't you say? Like, having a domestic abuse policy, how could that, like, how is that controversial? Yeah, the question, the way that Ben Rothenberg had even phrased it, it was practically a yes or no question. Mm-hmm. Do you think the ATP should have a domestic yeah. abuse policy? Yes or no? Yeah. And the fact that he avoided the answer in order to involve conflict with maybe a fellow player on tour yeah, or something like that, it doesn't really make sense. And like we, we've talked about this over and over, but having and using a platform wisely is so so important 
And this was, he was sitting on a pedestal. He could have said the perfect thing. He could have gained more respect if that was even possible. But instead, he just kind of evaded it. And it was just, um, now it's a problem because his opinions on it aren't clear. Also, saying that it's a matter of private life, I thought was also not the best thing to say. Like, the allegations are out. This was, like, you know, how debilitating must it be for Olya Sharapova to be seeing, like, so many people sort of, like, tearing her down. Just because, you know, she's up against, you know, some, like, white guy who's super big in the sporting world. Like, that's hard, right? And to see this, like, you know, continued silencing of her story or, like, kind of shrugging it off is really hard to see, I think, as young women, but also the hardest for her, I would assume. And in that same vein, I guess we would just like to say, as we were touching on this with some of the anti-vax comments that had been circulating a few months ago, like, comments like these shouldn't be a sort of fan wars, right? Like, you shouldn't be like, oh my god, my fave would comment better than that, because that's stupid, first of all. All these guys we've pretty much seen have made pretty dumb comments, um, and aren't, you know... Which is disappointing, which is disappointing, but sadly, that's what the bar is for athletes in general, or, well, especially male it's athletes, pretty. especially privileged male athletes like these guys. Um, and I would also say it is totally appropriate and I think necessary for fans to call their favorite players out on stuff like this. Like, if you've been a follower of us on social media or, like, listening to our podcast, you know that Josefina and I are pretty big Fed fans, but... That's all the more reason for us to have to call stuff like this out. Yeah, because if we won't, who will? Yeah. Because that's the thing, that just because we're fans of him, that bias shouldn't be added to what our opinion, our original opinion on this subject is, which is that, yes, the ATP should very, like, very much have a domestic abuse policy. And the fact that the question was avoided and kind of even thrown aside is something that we want to hold Roger Federer accountable for. Yeah, and it's hard to do that because he is, again, a powerful guy, you know, super popular, legend in the sport. But, you know, we've seen already that the bar is so low. Like, the le- like we, we still have to, like, you know, even though, like, the majority of the tennis world probably doesn't even know. I would say the majority of casual tennis fans probably don't even know about the Sharapova ag- allegations. Oh, um, for sure. No. Which is also not. disappointing. But, I mean, as we said, it's all disappointing. Sadly, again, it's not a surprise. And hopefully, um, by encouraging more conversations like this, we can make it so that, you know, this sort of rhetoric, these sort of responses, this sort of attitude towards these types of stories um, isn't just so passive. So some other news besides that. And Happier news. We have good news, yes. Um, the Nishikoris are having a baby. So on May 17th, Kay announced on his Instagram, quote, May and I, Mai and I are excited to announce that later this year we will add a little minion. And He added that with a photo of a tennis racket and little minion kind of dolls. And so cute. (laughs) Kei Nishikori is 31 years old and his wife, Mai Yamauchi, is expecting. So we're not sure when, but still very exciting news and we're so happy for them. 
I know, that's really exciting news. We've got a couple of babies on the way, right? Like Barbara Streetsova is pregnant, Carolyn Wozniacki is mm-hmm. pregnant. Wozniacki actually recently posted a video of her hitting a little bit, and you can see, like, the baby bump, and it's kind of, like, kind of awesome that she's, you know, playing even while pregnant. But great news, um, and I'm, I just, their post was just so cute. All right, so before we get into some of the tournaments this week, we do want to recap um, the Internazionale Biennale d'Italia. I'm so sad. This is probably going to be the last time I get to say that name until next year's iteration of the event. But the Italian Open was last week. Um, so we do want to recap the finals of that and some other breakthrough players. Um, and both of the champions were also the 2020 Roland Garros singles champions. Hence, you know, take a look at our title, Deja Vu, and then... What is it? Gia Visto, which I think is the same thing in Italian. Yes, so, yes. Josefina was the title creator for this episode. Um, so, yeah, a bit of deja vu here with the winners. So, starting off with the WTA, of course, we have Iga Sviatek, who defeated um, Karolina Pliskova 6 0 6 0. She lost 13 points. These this is the least amount of points lost in a Premier Five, Premier Mandatory, or WTA one thousand event final ever. And Sviatek made her debut into the top ten. She's now at number nine in the world and at age nineteen. Insane. Crazy. So yeah, that's really exciting. I think when we were talking about her French Open win last year, um, if I remember correctly, she said in an interview afterwards that, you know, her goal was to get into the top 10 within a year. If she didn't, she would go back to university. Am I remembering that correctly? Yeah, I think that was her. And, well, dang diggity darn, she done it. <laughs> exactly. And also, like... I think we talked about this again also in the last episode. I feel like if the ranking system were, like, normal, she would have been in the top ten a lot sooner, especially after she won that title in Adelaide. Um, But this is amazing. I think that um, this is her second title this year already, as we said. Third title overall. Um, And she even saved match points in her round of 16 match versus Barbara Barbara Krejcikova. So she really had to fight for this. The final was obviously very one-sided. Um, but Shuantek stick stuck to her game, um, and I mean, I think it's really impressive. And what I'm most happy about is that she's really kind of cementing herself and being like, hey, I'm still here in terms of going into the French Open, because I feel like once Ash Barty came back on the tour and has been having so much clay success, which we've been super happy to see, people are like, oh yeah, because there's kind of like two defending champions going into the French Open, if you know what I mean. Like, there's Ash Barty from 2019, she didn't play last year. And then Iga. So I think people, all the eye, all eyes were on Ash, maybe even Sabalenka. But I think Iga coming and taking this title is like Swiatek really cementing herself and establishing herself as like, wait a second, I'm still here. I'm the defending champion. I'm a clear like one of the top two favorites going into this, which I think is awesome. And I'm so excited to see her hopefully continue to dominate in Paris. Yeah, because I feel like before this huge win in Rome, she was kind of seen as the stand-in winner of the French yeah. Open, which is probably what you were talking about. How Like Ostapenko, kind of? Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like people were unsure if she'd oh, be able to back fluke. it up. Nice. She won a Grand Slam. It's not going to happen again. But she's been on the tour and really showing up lately, especially here on clay at a 1,000. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a huge tournament for her to win. So 
um, continuing into the notable mentions, Coco Goff made her first WTA 1000 semifinals with wins over Putinseva, Sakari, and Sabalenka. Sabalenka is probably the most Sabalenka. impressive. Yeah. Yeah. That I mean, that's also amazing. Her. It's also good because I think Coco Goff has a lot of pressure on her with people hyping her up. I also do think, if I'm going to be honest, like, as a younger player, as a younger female player, as a younger female player of color, as a younger female black player, I think she has a lot of pressure put on her um, in terms of, like, expectations to perform well and live up to that and, you know, gets a lot of flack if, like, she doesn't do well in one tournament or the other. This girl is, like, 17. Like, let her mature. Let her do well. She's clearly doing great. I think the clay really suits her, too. Um, there's definitely a lot she can still improve in her game, but, like, pulling off those wins over, like, top players like that, um, was, you know, really impressive, and I'm excited to see how she does. We're gonna talk about this in a bit, but I'm excited how she uh, continues to perform this week, too. Yeah, her mentality is so strong, it's insane from, like, such a young age, and the fact that, like, if we were talking about what we were talking about, um, during our hot headlines, she's technically using her platform better than a former world number one Roger Federer player, literally on literally. the ATP side. So at huge, um, what's it called? Hands off to her feet. Hats off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we want to take our hands off. Yeah. I think that's okay. That's not what I meant, but you get it. Um. So moving on to the ATP side, we have Rafael Nadal defeating Novak Djokovic seven five one six six three. So this is Nadal's record extending tenth Rome crown. Nadal now equal Djokovic's thirty six Masters titles record, and which is funny because with his French Open, he equaled Federer's twenty Grand Slams record. So this really is a deja vu moment, and. Nadal also said about the win, it's a very satisfying victory. It's amazing to have the trophy with me again one more time here in Rome. The 10th, I really wanted this 10th here in Rome. It was one of the first important titles that I won in my career. After achieving 10 in Roland Garros, 10 in Monte Carlo, 10 in Barcelona, I really wanted this one. So he's just picking them up by the dozens. Just a little shopping cart. In terms of notable mentions, my favorite one was Lorenzo Sonego. I mean, this guy was soaking up the home court advantage so much. He was he made his first ATP Masters 1000 semifinal, which is awesome. Returned to his career high ranking of number 28, and he beat Monfils, Dominic Team, Andre Rublev on the way. He stretched Djokovic to an epic three-setter as well, um, which was a very entertaining match. And this guy is like fearless on court like if you see the types of shots he goes for um some of the points that he played like he had a pretty awesome week so hats off to him um and then also Riley Opelka this guy had won I how many I think this guy had won less than five I don't remember the exact number but it was definitely less than five clay court matches on the ATP tour level before going into this tournament and he made it to the semifinals here 
And out of his five matches, he hit 88 aces. Not necessarily surprising, but, um, you know, that was an awesome result from him. Ended up losing to Nadal. No shame in that. And Opelka had, like, a funny, like, comment, like, about his performance. He was like, it is pretty weird as, like, to see, like, an American doing well on clay because, like, Americans aren't really, like, known to be, like, good clay quarters. And he was like, to be honest, this is probably a fluke. But I'm just gonna, you know, roll with it, which I thought was like really funny. And if I if I may say so myself, he hung out with Venus Williams right before this tournament. Oh my wearing god. Wearing matching outfits at that museum. Could that have given him some good luck going into this? I think so. I think um Shravia can be officially classified as a WTA ATP conspiracy theorist. Yes! Oh my gosh! I feel like I would be so good at, like, doing some sort of gossip column like sleuthing. about the tours. We should have Like, I would love this, that. Technically, we the should. whole episode is kind of, like, little gossip rumors here and there. But if we had yeah. a whole thing going on... Yeah. Man, that would be so fun. Tea would be spilt. So into some of the week of May 16th tournaments that we have going on this week, which is the May week of May 16th. First up, <laughs> we have the Geneva Open on the ATP side. We are right now into the second round slash quarterfinals. This is quite a small tournament. It is an ATP 250, which all of these tournaments are actually 250s. So not that big tournament, that big of tournaments on the tour side but still that's what we have going on so we're going to cover them so the top seeds in geneva are or were <laughs> roger federer dennis shapovalov casper root and grigor dimitro and some notable results so far include this is why i said were pablo andujar defeating roger federer 6-4-4-6-6-4 so this is federer's first loss in Switzerland, since 2013, he was on a 32-match winning streak on his home soil, which is kind of insane. But then again, he is Roger Federer. And this was Roger Federer's first clay court match since the 2019 French Open semifinals, where he lost to Rafael Nadal. And this is Pablo Andujar's fifth top 10 win, so good for him, I suppose. And again, like we were saying, this was <laughs> this was Roger Federer's kind of return. Everyone, nah, he didn't really have high expectations going for him, not even for himself. So I guess it's okay. Yeah. He's just I growing. Mean, I, I think the- it's okay. He was up a break in the third set. And like this, like he knew it as well. He said it as well afterwards. Like this is a match he should have won. But we forgive and forget. We move on. He probably won't. He's someone who recovers from losses very quickly. So on to the next. Um, another notable result we have was Arthur Cazot defeating fellow Frenchman Adrian Menorino 6-3-6-7-6-3. What a way to debut onto the ATP Tour. This guy has had a ton of success on the junior level. I think, I, if I remember correctly, I believe I ball person one of his boy, U.S. Open boys. Um, matches in 2019 um he's 18 years old he got a wild card into geneva and he hit a freaking amazing twinner uh, tweener passing <laughs> shot right 
yeah, in his it debut was match. So good. It was so yeah. good. And he commented afterwards, when I hit the shot, I didn't think about nothing. I had my back to the net and I just hit the shot. I didn't ask any questions in my head. It was a big shot. I'm so happy I hit the shot. Okay, that's a lot of shots. Um, <laughs> uh, and he's going to be playing Pablo Cuevas next. So that is exciting for Arthur. Um, and his hair. His hair. So cool. Is so, so cool. No, like what? I saw someone tweet this the other day, but like someone needs to tell me what conditioner he's using because that hair is so shiny. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. So another fellow youngster who we have doing pretty well is Dominic Stricker. So Dominic Stefan Stricker defeat Mar- defeated Marin Chilich seven six six one. Another eighteen year old wild card. He's Swiss. Um, he's sort of being referred to as the next Federer or Wawrinka, the next torchbearer for Swiss tennis on the ATP side. And he needs to avenge his Swiss daddy because he's playing pa- he's playing Pablo Andujar next. So he's got to you know take some take some revenge there. Or maybe Andujar has it out for the Swiss. So maybe we'll killing generations. Ouch. Um, <laughs> so some players to watch here are Denis Shapovalov, the second seed. He has been in quite of a rut. Um, this is another one of our theories. Ever since he cut his hair. <laughs> hmm. Not an official <laughs> theory. What? Who said that? Also, ever since losing the backwards cap. Oh. Oh my God! I miss it. <laughs> So, he had match points against Nadal last week, so he almost did well, um, yeah. but he didn't follow through. Maybe his new music will give him a new groove, a bonus. Um <laughs> <laughs> But either way, he has a super open draw here, especially now that Roger Federer is out, and he's playing Marco Cecchinato next, so we'll see how that goes. He has been losing to not that top players recently so we're not sure how this is gonna go but either way it is a very open draw here in Geneva yeah and the other player to watch here is Casper Ruud the third seed he's probably the favorite to win this tournament I mean he's been doing so well on clay this season he has a pretty open half of his draw so this should be um you know cruising for him but we shall see I, I definitely am rooting for him and his pink shirt looking great as always so now going into our picks and favorites to win, we actually have the same here for both categories. So first up, we have Casper Ruud, for obvious reasons that we were already talking about, that he has had such success recently on clay compared to all of the other players in this tournament. And like we were saying, he has a wide open draw, and considering his level right now on clay, it seems he can make it through easily. So, that's good for him. Totally agree with what Josefina said. As far as, so he's our prediction of who's going to win. But as far as, like, our favorite to win, like, the person we would most want to win, we both said Kazo. I mean, Josefina and I are suckers for, like, the next next gen. So, like, both on the ATP and the WTA side. We love our next gen people, but, like, we're also all for, like, the younger teenagers rising up. So, Arthur Kazo taking the title would be phenomenal. Um, and then our next tournament is the Serbia Open going on in Belgrade, which is a WTA 250 event. We're also kind of in the middle of the second round and also some quarterfinal matches have been set, kind of like this in Geneva. 
And our top seeds include Yulia Putintseva, Shuai Zhang, Paula Bedosa, and Nadia Podoroska. So, as far as notable results so far, we had Anna Kanya defeating Yulia Putintseva 6-3-6-4. We've talked about Kanya here and there over the past few weeks because she is coming back from injury. Former top 30 or top 20 player. She was like one of those rising young stars. Now she's ranked like outside of the top 100. But this is a great and promising win to be defeating Putin Seva. And she's going to be playing Nadia Podoroska next. And I think that Kanye definitely has some upset potential going into that match. And then we have Maria Camila Osorio Serrano, quite the name, um, <laughs> who defeated Shuai Zhang, the second seed, 6-2-1-6-7-6. So Maria is 19 years old. She actually won her first WTA title earlier this year in Bogota. And then she made the Charleston semis soon after that. So she's definitely been doing well this season and definitely a player to watch. Um, because, I mean, she is one of those young players that we were talking about in that Kazo is part of that category. For sure. She's impossible not to like if you see some of her videos and her reactions to her winning. She's adorable. Um I would say that we also do want to talk about some players to watch. So, Josephina, why don't you tell us about our first player to watch? Yeah, we have Paula Badosa, the fourth seed, who made it to the Charleston semifinals, then the Madrid semifinals. And she, I feel she can really shine in a small tournament like this if she really is playing her best, like the level that got her to the Madrid semis. Especially she definitely has play. a chance here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, other than that, we have Nadia Podoroska, the fifth seed. Um, obviously, the 2020 Roland Garros semifinalist, a big breakthrough there. And she also just beat Serena in Rome. So the Argentinian is doing pretty well. And then Leila Fernandez, who we know is another person who loves the clay. She's only 18. I feel like people forget that. She's one of those more sometimes under the radar younger players. Um, just won her maiden title in Monterey, right? Yes. A few months ago. Yes. Um, and she also just won the Billie Jean King Cup Heart Award, which is a great thing to see as well um as far as picks to win like predictions i personally have picked paula bedosa because of the reasons josephina outlined she had a great run in madrid she loves the clay she's taken out some top players including ash barty uh this clay season and looking at her draw i have hopes that she can do well and my pick to win is Maria Serrano because, like I was saying, she does have some steam in this season, actually, mm-hmm. even on clay with the Charleston semifinals. And I feel like she's one of those up-and-coming players that you can't really predict the results of. So I think she has a chance to just make it all the way. And then we have our favorites to win, where I also chose Serrano because, like Shravia was saying, it's impossible not to like her. She's so humble and um, well-spoken, and also she's one of those young players that we like to look out for, so why not? Yeah, and my favorite to win is Anna Kanya. I've been loving to see her coming back on that comeback trail recently. Uh, I, you know, when she was first rising on the tour, when I was in my infancy days of following tennis when I was an exclusive WTA only fan um she was someone who I sometimes watched and really liked her game so I think it's always nice to it's always hard when like a young player who's on a rise is sort of um you know blocked by so many injuries but I am hoping that she can make a nice comeback here now, going into our last two tournaments, we have Lyon, the ATP 250 event. We're also in the middle of the second round, and then also some quarterfinals have been set up, and we've got our top seeds, Dominic Team, Stefano Tsitsipas, Diego Schwartzman, and David Goffin in this tournament. 
So notable results so far include Lorenzo Musetti defeating Felix Auger Aliasim, the seventh seed, seven six three six seven five. So this is a great win for Laura, but Felix keeps getting such difficult draws like the Yannick problem. But um, Musetti also defeated Corda six two one six six four. So those are two pretty big wins in a row. Good for him, and he's doing well in this tournament. Maybe he'll do better in his upcoming matches. Yeah, we also had Yannick Sinner taking out Aslan Karatsev. That was a first round match. It was kind of insane. Um, Yannick recovered from a bagel in the first set to ultimately end up winning Love 6, 6-3, And he actually got an unsportsmanlike conduct violation after the first set. Yannick? Yannick and unsportsmanlike conduct seems bizarre, right? So when I saw that too, I was like, what? So what actually happened was after the first set, to sort of regroup, he took a bathroom break, but he never actually ended up using the bathroom. He kind of just took it as time to cool off. And apparently that's not allowed, and he didn't know that. Um, so the umpire was like, you can't really do that, so he gave him an unsportsmanlike conduct violation, and after the match, Yannick was like, oh, I'm so sorry, I didn't know that about that rule at all, I'll never do that again, so in perfect Yannick fashion, (laughs) yeah, exactly, so totally don't blame him for not knowing that, because I feel like that's a weird rule, too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So then, also, we have Gal Monfied defeating Saboth Wild. Um, seven five six four. This is the first win for Gael in fifteen months and on home soil. So this is amazing for him. We've seen that he's had quite the tough time recently when it comes to tennis on the tour, and it's really great to see him. Maybe he really needs this confidence. Yeah. So players to watch. First off, we're going with Dominic Team. He's obviously making his comeback from some time off. Um, he made the Madrid semis, round of 16 as Rome. Definitely not having as great of a season as he did last year, but I think in these last few matches in the lead-up to Roland Garros, this sort of 250 event is a big opportunity for him to build some confidence and establish himself again as a key uh, threat going into um, the French Open, which is something Josefina and I were talking about right before we started recording, actually. Um, so I think these matches are important for him because kind of like we saw with, and I'm not just bringing him up because, like, I want to, but um, it was honestly a great example of how, like, Berrettini, coming back from injury, decided to play in the 250 event in Belgrade, and look how much confidence that gave him. So I think something like this for someone like Dominic Team, who's also coming back from after some time off, um, is is also you know a key similarity there and then we have Stefano Tsitsipas he has had a career best season on clay especially and he's been doing awesome he lost to Djokovic in the Rome quarters but then before that he was the Monte Carlo champion the a Barcelona finalist and he made it to the round of 16 in Madrid so really solid season for him on clay especially and then we have Diego Schwartzman, who has not been having that great of a season, but he can build some confidence here. Same case with Dominic Tiem. It's a smaller event, ATP 250. It could really give him space to shine and really work on the little things. And then we have Yannick Sinner, who really is a pretty big threat in Tiem's quarter, considering how he played in this last match and the fact that he's one of the top players right now in this tournament. 
In terms of our predictions slash picks to win, I'm going with Stefano Tsitsipas. Um, he's been, you know, probably after Nadal and Djokovic, I would say he's, like, the next top contender for the French Open. Um, so I would just say that, like, his clay court performance and considering this is, you know, a lower-level event, I would give him a lot of faith going into this tournament. I'm going for Yannick Sinner, actually, because, like I was saying earlier, he is the biggest threat in Dominic Team's quarter, and I think that really proves for something considering the rest of the draw. So I think he really has a chance to make it all the way to the final and then title. I also think that like, if Yannick's able to take out Team and make his way through that half of the draw, he also has a pretty easy. good shot. Yeah. Um, also, well, I mean, and we saw that he's able to do that like in Madrid. I mean, not Madrid, in Miami, he was able to do that. So yeah, he, he definitely can really has pick that. up his level. Yeah. And we saw, I mean, coming like coming back mentally from a bagel, like versus Ozan Karatsev, one of the mm-hmm. most dangerous players at the moment, pretty impressive too. Yeah. In terms of favorites to win, I'm torn between Lorenzo Musetti and Gael Monfils because, as you know, big Musetti fans here, both of us, so I obviously would love for him to do well. He's had a couple of great wins to start off the tournament. Um, but Gael hasn't, you know, really, you know, as Josefina said, first match in over a year that he's won. He's really struggling. It would also be really nice to see him win on home soil. So my favorite to win is actually Dominic Thiem, but not for Who the reasons that thought? you think. Who would have thought Josefina would okay. be picking Dominic Thiem as a favorite to win? Because it's not that he's my favorite player. My actual favorites to win are probably also like what Travia was saying about Lorenzo Massetti and Gael Mofi. But he's my favorite to win because I think he really needs this win to back him up going into the French Open considering the lack of success he's had on clay so far this season because i really need him to be a threat there for nadal and djokovic i really don't want yeah we don't need another situation yeah we don't need another um repetitive final so that's why i need dominic to pick up confidence so he can be a real threat going into this tournament maybe a steph dommy final at the French Open? Josephina, you don't think Daniil Medvedev is going to get to the final of the French Open? (laughs) What do you mean? He's going to win the whole thing. (laughs) So, finally, we have Parma, the WTA 250 event, and right now we are in the quarterfinal stage here. So, the top seeds in this tournament include Serena Williams, or included, Serena Williams, Petra Martic, Coco Gauff, and Daria Daria Kostkina. Wow. (laughs) Um, as far as notable results so far, this is kind of painful, but Serena and Venus lost, uh, which, in my opinion, means that they should cancel the tournament, but that's just my opinion, and (laughs) I don't think the WTA will listen to me, but, I mean, even though Serena lost, uh, we'll talk about that in a sec, she did have a really sweet moment in her first round match, where she played qualifier Lisa Pigato, who's 17 years old, and Pigato actually said that when she found out that she'd be playing Serena in the main draw. She was so happy and so honored. She immediately called up her family. She was crying tears of happiness, I think. So that was adorable to hear. And after the match, even though she lost, she asked Serena if she would get a picture with her. And Serena was like, yeah, of course. And it was so cute. I was like, oh my god, this is adorable. Because this girl is like literally as old as I am. And she's, you know, like, it it was just so cute. This gives me the same energy as the Sevi Nadal thing in yeah. the French Open. Yeah, that was yeah, so yeah, funny. yeah. So then later, Serena unfortunately lost to Katarina Sinikova, seven six six two. 
And, I mean, this is not that great for Serena going yeah. into the French Open. But then again, I mean, it might be a little fluke because she has been yeah. doing pretty well this season, making solid yeah. semifinals um, throughout yeah. the I season. Mean, Australian Open, she was doing great until she really did not perform well against Osaka in that um, in that match. And Osaka is always... like Serena's kryptonite. <laughs> and I was thinking about this too, but like, remember at the Western and Southern Open how she had that like really tough loss, I think to Maria Sakkari, right? Yeah. Where she yeah. lost in since like, well, Cincinnati. And then she backs it up and makes the US Open semis and nearly beat Azarenka to get to the final too. Exactly. So, so she, maybe she I, likes these little losses. Yeah. And I think we've seen this with like people like, like, Federer Nadal and Djokovic too. Like Djokovic lost in that tough match to Aslan Karatsev in Belgrade, a two fifty event that you know he was gonna um, he was gonna win, like was supposed to win. And he, you know, they've always talked about how the Grand Slams are their priority for them, and they always bring that mentality. So I think that um, is certainly a uh, notable thing to think about when we're going into Roland Garros. As far as Venus, she had a tight first-round match but ended up losing to Anna Karolina Schmidlova, who has beaten her, I think, three times in a row now or four times in a row now, um, especially on clay. So that was that was unfortunate. She did make a comeback a little bit in the first set, Venus, but unfortunately did end up losing. But there was some amazing, memeable moments to take away from that match. Yeah, so the chair umpire actually gave her a time violation because Venus was waiting for the wind to calm down before tossing the ball for her serve. This and is he gave it to Venus. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, because Venus was taking her time and Venus actually said, "If the wind blows, then I can't hit the ball. I can't control God. I can't control the wind. I'm just saying that if the wind blows, there's nothing I can do about that." <laughs> so and definitely the, some funny I can't energy. control God. I can't control God. That quote is so funny. Please watch the video of her actually saying that. It is hilarious. And, like, after she said that, she did, like, a little sassy walk back to the baseline. It was <laughs> so funny. Should. You need to watch the video to get the whole experience, though. I mean, I don't care if she lost. She put up a good fight in that match. Um, but that moment was just, it was worth it. Um, as we wrap up talking about Parma, as far as players to watch, um, the first one I would say is Petra Martic. She always goes under the radar. Um, she recently started a new coaching partnership with Francesca Schiavone, who's, um, a former Roland Garros champion. She reached the Rome semis. Again, she really does fly under the radar, but she loves the clay. So I definitely would put her up in contention for making a deep run. Then we have Amanda Anisimova, and we're actually seeing an Anisimova golf quarterfinal, which is definitely interesting, and a rematch of the 2017 U.S. Open Girls Final, where Anisimova actually won, but a lot has changed since then. Both of the players have grown so much in different ways, so um, definitely an interesting match that we have coming up here in, in Parma. Yeah, and then speaking of her opponent, Coco Golf, we talk about her amazing breakthrough in Rome, reaching the semis there. She's seated in this tournament, which is super exciting. Um, she will be seated at Roland Garros too, which is also great. Um, so, I mean, I think that, you know, she personally, in my opinion, has the edge going into that match versus Inesimova, even though Amanda did beat her the last time they played, um, because I think that Coco Golf has had more matches under her belt over the past few weeks, especially on clay, um, and Inesimova, we've been seeing play some great tennis, but she's also still coming back from a very shaky start to the year. 
And then we have Sloane Stevens, who just had a comeback win versus Kasatkina, which was great to see. We'd love to see her do well on clay this season, and she has been winning more matches recently. She's definitely our one of our favorites on tour right now, so we really like to see her really gaining that resurgence and gaining that momentum back. Yeah, and then lastly, I would throw in Caroline Garcia into the mix, too. I mean, her recent coach switch-up seems to be going well. She's been winning a couple of matches um, the past couple of weeks, so um, it'll be interesting to see how she fares with her draw. Um, but as far as picks to win, in terms of predictions, I've picked Coco Golf because I think that she has a lot of confidence going into this. She's beaten a lot of informed, good players over the past couple of weeks. Um, and I think that, similar to Yannick, you would think that these younger players who are kind of hyped up a lot might kind of crumble under the pressure. But we've seen Coco Golf put up with that, whether it be winning the Linz title a couple of years ago, um, whether it be sort of making the semis um, in Rome. I think that she kind of is dealing with that fine, and I think she has a pretty good shot, like even just like practically just looking at her draw. So my pick to win is actually Caroline Garcia. No particular reason, actually. I just really like how she plays, and she's one of my favorites right now. So I'm just rooting for her, but also at the same time, I think she could win, so that's why she's my pick to win. I think that would and be then, like a big sort of like, take that, Dad. The second I fired you, I won a title. That would be kind of <laughs> funny. So then we have our favorites to win, where I have Coco Golf, which is actually Shravia's pick to win. So, I mean, that works for me. <laughs> um, well, like we were saying, she is that young up-and-coming player, and we love her. She's basically, well, she's young, so she's not a princess yet. She's a princess, not a queen, right? <laughs> is that yes. how it works? I guess that's how it works. Right. Um we got to support our next next-gen players, as we said. Mm-hmm. Um, my favorite to win would be Sloane Stephens. I think that she's been looking better and better as the matches go by these past couple of weeks. And um, I think that, you know, she also, you know, had such great success at Roland Garros just a few years ago. So I'm really hoping that she can pull some of that into this tournament because she, when she's on, she can beat anyone. She's one of those players who is really dangerous to play. And I think that comeback versus Kazakina was really telling. So I'm crossing my fingers for Sloan. So in the midst of these four 250s, Roger's return, the Williams sisters, Nishikori's baby... Uh, people thirsting over Novak Djokovic. Yes, if you've been on tennis Twitter, you know that that has been happening. Um, something else has also been happening. A certain, uh, I'm sh- a, a certain uh, artist has dropped some new music, and uh, he goes by the name Young Shap. I don't know if you've known. <laughs> I don't know if you know him, but yes, Denis Shapovalov dropped three new tracks as part of his Midnight. uh, Midnight Life uh, EP, so very exciting, and we, as promised, long-awaited, have listened to all three and are ready to give our thoughts on them, on each of the three songs, which are our favorites, some of our favorite lyrics, Um, and just talk a little bit about Young Shap's little music music, uh, venture, little foray into rapping. I will say, every time he said Young Shap, I thought he was saying Young Chef. 
And Josefina had to correct me and be like, Shavia, no, it's Young Shap. Uh, so starting off with the first song that we listened to, which was Midnight Life. This was my favorite. I personally loved it. I mean, well, relatively loved it. Um, it has a pretty suspenseful buildup. Um, but I would say there are some pretty awesome lyrics in this one. Let's Let's see. There's one that's like dropping more tracks just to piss them off again. I just bought an effing Lambo for just the hell of it, and I'm too busy getting paid, man. Like, could you think of more white boy rapper lyrics? I don't think you could. Oh my goodness. If Oh my god, remember that segment we did about um the players WTA and ATP as high school? Like, where would they be in high school? Yeah. Shapo would have been the SoundCloud rapper. He literally would. He literally would. He is. And- currently yeah i mean these are just i mean we're gonna get to some better and like more funny lyrics in his other songs too but we were wondering we had this thought do you guys know i mean well i mean you obviously can't answer us right now but if you know of that tiktok trend where it's like um turning my best friend's text into inspirational quotes or like whatever and like they like take like things like their friends or like people they're talking to have said and put them on like really pretty backgrounds as if they're like inspirational quotes you'd find on pinterest or something we were thinking of doing one with dennis shopavolv uh shopa music song lyrics as quote-unquote inspirational quotes and make a TikTok and post that on our social media. So if you think we should do this, if you'd like to see it, we'd be more than happy to make it. So if you would, tweet at us at H-O-T-Y-R underscore tennis pod and we'll start making it. Just let us know if you want it because we want to see if people would actually be interested in that and if you have any particular lyrics you'd like for us to include. And we'll get on that right away because that would be so fun. Obviously, the most iconic one right now is talk so much bleep forgot how to pee oh yeah that one is so the australian open incident of course so then we have broken his second song in or well there's not really an order he kind of just threw them out yeah we kind of just picked we just made up an order yeah so this one was actually my favorite because there's this one line that really got me because you have to sing it you have to sing it like okay okay okay. i'll do it i'll do it because the thing is, it, like, changed the pitch of the whole thing, and it added some change to the horrible monotone thing going on, <laughs> so it's like, now I'm up. <laughs> Wait, it's like, now I'm up in the clouds, don't belong in the cert, and then something. That's so, something, yeah, something. that's so accurate. Yeah, it's, that's part has been stuck in my head all day because it's actually catchy i really like that line yeah he did good with that he did that that one line line. what is that like 0.01 percent of the song yeah yeah okay good job shafo there was also a lyric in broken growing up i was known as a waste of time i was like shoppy are you okay like that made me sad i know i was like are you like fine and then later he goes I'm a brat, I'm a nerd. I've never really seen Shapo as a nerd, but okay. I oh, I guess we... Get it, I guess. <laughs> um, I mean, Josefina had some analysis about what she thought about the lyrics and the chorus that she shared with me yesterday when we were listening. Um, would you like to share? Yeah, the chorus is awful. Um, <laughs> but, like, the rest, the thing is that I think he's genuinely, like, 
something is broken and he's actually complaining and trying to vent but it's really funny it's yeah, so funny it really it's is. so hard to take the lyrics seriously with the horrible production so. also like why is his cover like album cover literally just one of his like atp video covers <laughs> right like that's what it is yeah yeah if the ATV, or what is it, if Tennis Channel was handling it, they would have put Felix instead of Shoppa for the album <laughs> Oh my god, Tennis Channel is so bad at getting the names right. If you just, like, there's a new one, like, every day. They, uh... Who was representing Japan? Of, in, in, yeah, they, instead of Petra Kvitova's photo, they put Daniil Medvedev's photo. Then, um, in, this was the worst. The worst was when instead of for Felix Ojealiasim, oh my god, ins- they put a picture of Arthur Ashe. Where did they even get that photo? Like, like that is embarrassing the to the next level. Then for Corda, they put a Japanese flag next to it. I would think like they would get the American players right, but no, because I guess they were confused with Corda and Ishikori. I don't even know what in the world. There's just so many, so many examples. But anyways, moving on to our last song, I Got the Key. I'm sorry, Shapo, but this one's definitely the worst. I mean, it's not saying a lot, but yeah. Um, I mean, he always sounds like he's out of breath. Like, for example, when I'm making a speech, for some reason it doesn't happen on the podcast. It's just different. But when I'm making a speech, it's I'm I always get, like, out of breath. And then I start, like, speaking more and more weekly. But it sounds like he's doing that throughout the whole thing. It's like... Anyways, the our favorite lyric from this song was "Me and my boys only rep Nike." Great shout yeah. out to his sponsor right there. Yeah, and also, can we talk about the not so strong start to the song? That he was like, "Young chap," and then we had the, and then he was like, "Yeah." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, overall, listen to it for like shiz and giggles as they say um the pg version of that saying and also if um at dennis if you're listening to this we we love you these songs were amazing this was all a huge joke um, no honestly like i'm so all for players like using creative out like having a creative outlet like it's awesome okay but i think if anything we need piano i mean <laughs> felix and ugo to duet on the piano and release some classical music man that would be so good oh my god shoppo rapping to felix on the piano some food for thought to leave you guys with is who do you think is the better uh, singer dennis shapovalov or diana yastremska because they both released both have released some music so my god quarantine mutet (laughs) we will leave you with that food for thought Thank you so much for joining us, and that is game, set, and match for today. If you liked this episode, please let us know and stay tuned for more. We'll be providing you all the coverage of the tournaments this week, and of course, all the tea on tour. Email us at holdontoyourracket at gmail.com for any questions, and leave a rating on whatever platform you're listening on. Hold On To Your Racket is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Follow us on social media at Hold On To Your Racket on Instagram and at H-O-T-Y-R underscore Tennis Pod on Twitter. Our next episode will be released next Wednesday where we will recap the action this week and update you on the tournaments to come. And remember, my name is Josefina. And my name is Shravya. And if you enjoyed this episode, make sure to hold on to your racket until next time.